Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. Jesus has come to be our Redeemer, our kinsman Redeemer. That is, our own relative, our own kin, our own brother. Because only a brother or relative in the Old Testament could be a Redeemer. And he's come to buy us back from sin, death, and the devil not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. So that we might be his own, that is, that we might be his own brothers and live under him in his, in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. The fourth Sunday in Advent, we begin to get a greater picture of our Redeemer, that because he comes to earth as the Son of Man, he will raise us up as the sons of God, brothers. Jesus is the righteous one who comes down from heaven to earth to declare his righteousness to us. And all of our lessons today point, like John the Baptist pointing to Jesus, to where this righteousness, this righteous one may be found. And we're again going to focus on the psalm, Psalm 19. And in this psalm, we see that there's two ways, that, uh, two means that, that God uses, two ways in which God reveals this righteous one to us. Two ways in which God points to himself. First, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Nature points to God. The 12th century English, English poet Alexander Neckham said that the world is inscribed with the pen of God for anyone who understands it. It's the work of literature. Similarly, the Scottish philosopher Richard of St. Victor said, the whole of God's sensible world is like a book written by the finger of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That is, heaven and earth don't speak, but their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. There's a message for us from God inscribed in the structure of creation. And no one can escape it. Nature preaches to everyone. There's order. There's beauty. There's truth. God is a magnificent artist who, who fashioned the entire cosmos with simply the sound of his voice, with his word. And so how beautiful and poetic that, that God is now, is now preaching through the words of the psalm what creation uh, itself was created, uh, was created by the word is preaching. 
Uh, just imagine the beauty of this. In the heavens, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chambers. His going forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now, this picture is in stark contrast to the pagan religions that surrounded Israel. Uh, the pagan religions worship the sun as a deity. And of course, today, we're living in the time of neo-paganism, of the new secularism of, of, uh, that, again, worships nature as a god. Uh, the idea for us today is that well, we need to sacrifice to nature, uh, to the climate, if we want to keep living on this planet. But here, God says, in the heavens, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Creation does the bidding of its master. Creation does the bidding of its creator. The sun does what God has ordained it to do. God has set a tabernacle for it. Uh, this tabernacle, this is, this is where a wedding takes place. And the sun is described itself as, as emerging each day from his bedroom as joyful as a new husband. He's eager to run his race from one end of the heavens to the other end, just like a new groom. And so every day is a picture of God's grace, like a marriage where the groom joyfully gets to keep his bride safe and warm. But all of this is still only a picture, a sign. Even with how beautiful and grand creation is, there's still something even greater. There's going to be something, someone, even greater to come, showering forth from heaven. Nature can point, but it's not the real thing. Nature is not God. Even nature has to point away from itself to something greater. Like John the Baptist, who was asked if, if he was the Christ or the prophet or Elijah, he said no, over and over again. No, I'm not. He was simply a voice, a voice calling out in the wilderness, a voice calling and proclaiming no different than nature. But he's not God. He cannot save. He cannot redeem. And by the way, that's the reference uh, to the sandal strap when John said uh, that there's one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. In the Old Testament, a, a woman whose husband has died uh, can only be redeemed, that is, saved and given a part of, an, of the inheritance by someone close to her, uh, a relative, a kin. Uh, the most famous example of this is, is Ro, uh, Ruth and Boaz. Uh, it's why there's that strange occurrence in, in Ruth of, of Boaz untying his sandal strap and, and taking off his shoe. In Israel, this used to be a, a custom regarding the transfer of the right of redemption. To confirm a transfer, one man took off his sandal and, and gave it to the other party. This was to ratify the, the transfer, the redemption in Israel. And so here in Psalm 19, we see that even nature itself has limits. Nature, even the sun, is not worthy to untie the sandal strap of the greater bridegroom of God. Nature cannot tell us everything. Nature itself cannot redeem. The sun, even though it's like a groom, is not the ultimate giver of blessing. It's not the real thing. It's a picture. 
a beautiful one, but it's a picture. We need the real thing. We need a redeemer. And this is where Psalm 19 now goes. Into the second way or means that God reveals himself. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Did you catch all those? In other words, God reveals himself through the inspired word of God. The word of God, like nature, shows us order, truth, beauty, especially in the Psalms here. But the word of God also shows us what nature cannot. It shows us God's grace. It shows us the righteousness of Jesus. It brings to us our Redeemer. And this is actually where John the Baptist has a leg up on creation. Because John is ordained, like the Son, to preach. But the Son only preaches a sign. John gets to preach the real thing. The Word, the same Word that made all of creation, John gets to preach. And he gets to shower blessings from above in the visible Word, in in holy baptism. It's why people were coming to John. Because they recognize their need for redemption for the forgiveness of their sin, which they then received in holy baptism as the visible word, this visible promise that their sins were not only washed away, but they received something far greater from above, righteousness that has come down from heaven like rain. Simple water, part of God's creation, not very impressive on its own, is combined with the word of God. And suddenly, this this visible word is a treasure worth more than anything in all of creation. As we just sang, I become God's own child. So this this progression in the psalm of these, these two ways that God reveals himself through nature and his word is really important for us to understand because, especially as we're about to celebrate Christmas, because I've heard people say to me things like, well, You know, I can find God on the golf course, or or I can worship God in nature. The hunting blind is my church, or the fishing boat, uh, or the car, or even at home, my, my front porch looking in. But again, everything in creation, every created thing is a mere sign. As Isaiah says, grass withers, flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Yes, the people. Our grass, grass withers, flowers fade. But the word of our God, the word of our God endures forever. And so if if that's where you stop, if you stop at the sign, you miss out on the greatest of all blessings. I mean, if you're hungry for Dunkin' Donuts, you don't stop at the Dunkin' Donuts sign. You actually go get the donuts. And besides, sometimes nature is against you. Sometimes your golf game is off, the fish aren't biting, and there's a thunderstorm brewing in your trap in the middle of nowhere when things are not going well at all, when nature seems against you. Where is God then? See, we usually only think that, think that we find God or we can find God when, when things are going well. But the mystery of the incarnation is that God did not stay up in heaven 
but he came down to us for whom things were not going well at all. We don't even know how bad things were for us. We wouldn't have known if the word hadn't preached to us. As the psalm says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Those things that I, that I don't even know that I confess. Those I still confess. I do not know how sinful I am. So we pray, let not my sins have dominion over me. Let not them rule over me. You know, I cannot begin to know how sinful I actually am, but I see the effects all around me in my life. We need a God who speaks to us through more than nature. Nature can tell me that God is a God of beauty, but it cannot tell me that, that, I, that I have a Redeemer. Nature cannot tell me that I have a God who loves me. That God forgives me my sins. That God is a just God who, who redeems me, a lost and condemned creature. We need a God who is not silent and who speaks to us in a more real way than nature. And this is exactly what we have. We have a God who speaks, who speaks promises, who says, comfort, comfort my people. Your guilt, your sin is fully paid for. You are redeemed. We have a God who himself is the word. See, we don't find God in nature. Rather, we find him in his word. And through his word, we're able then to, to look back on creation and see all of his handiwork. Now, did, you, did you notice in the psalm, in the intro it, we read, the sun is like a bridegroom coming out of not its chamber, but out of his chamber. Jesus is our true son, our light, our bridegroom. His going forth is from the end of heaven because he made it. And he is the word which created all of creation. But in his incarnation, now, as the word, he becomes a part of creation. The creator becomes a creature. The creator becomes a creature. The begotten of the Father from eternity is born of a virgin. He comes down from heaven to earth as our Redeemer, our closest relative who is giving up everything to buy us So remember where God has promised to be. Not in nature, not in your feelings, not when things are going well, but in the flesh, in the Word made flesh, in the Word heard, spoken by His ministers and sung by His people, in the Word, the Word seen, in visible form, in, in water and bread and wine. This is where Christ incarnates himself today. This is where heaven meets earth, where creation, where the skies pour down the righteous one. And we prepare our hearts because next Sunday we celebrate this very thing. Not around a tree, a created and dying thing, especially if you didn't water it. 
but around his word, his word made flesh. Now crucified and undying, risen body and blood. He is our brother, our closest relative come to redeem us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood. So come and worship him. That is, don't merely think about him, but, but come and receive him. Receive your righteousness. So the words of my mouth, the words and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.